glad that you're here with us this morning, and uh, today we're going to be talking about Christmas present. Uh, if you remember uh, 1843 novella that uh, Charles Dickens wrote called The Christmas Carol, last week we took a brief look at uh, Christmas past and uh, what all that means. encourage you uh, to go online to our website. You can check, uh, check out the current series that's going on and uh, see everything that's happening uh, as far as this series is concerned. Uh, but as you think back about Christmas uh, present, uh, the ghost of Christmas present, the spirit, uh, you, you have a, an interesting uh, character there. And what he is, is uh, appears to be a younger, jolly green giant type character. Uh, always reminds you of, of a giant, but he, he was younger. And then uh, what's interesting is, is that he would bring uh, Scrooge on a journey. And that journey was, in a sense, to uh, take him to, to places and people that were content, although they had wants. Uh, one of the families that he brought it to, though, is the famous picture of the Cratchits. You remember Tiny Tim, and uh, you have Scrooge there, and, and Tiny Tim prays over dinner, and he says, God bless us, everyone. And uh, then you, you see the, that Tiny Tim, eventually, because of his illness, uh, he dies. And Scrooge is, is a little bit outraged by that, that, that he that he sees this little boy die, and he wonders what it is that's 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 happened to him. And, and what the, the ghost of Christmas present wants Scrooge to realize is that while everybody else seems to be content, you have everything you want and you're miserable. And I think the thing is, is that when you begin to kind of see what that spirit is, you, you see that he comes quickly and then he goes away. And, and this young Younger uh, spirit is the youngest looking out of them all. And you start kind of wondering, you start digging into why Dickens would do it that way. And here's why most people believe that Dickens did that. is because Christmas present is the one that always seems to vanish right before our eyes. I mean, think about it. I mean, so many of us, we think, you know what, Christmas isn't what it used to be. And then you've got Christmas present right before you, and it comes quickly and it goes quickly. And oftentimes, here's the things we'll say, I'll do better next year. It's almost as if like this Christmas is great, it's here upon me, it's snuck up on me, it's come and it's gone, it's too fast, we'll just get through it, we'll put some gifts under the tree, and we'll do better next year. We'll put lights on our house next year, we'll get the tree out earlier next year, and you have all of these things that you say about the Christmas that's experiencing right now. The challenge, though, is this, is that why is it that it sneaks up on you? Why is it that Christmas isn't what it used to be? And I think uh, for some of us, it is, it's just nostalgia. Mark just mentioned a second ago, you remember this Sears catalog? Remember this? Uh, this is what you would uh, circle. You're like, some of you in here, you're like, I don't remember that version. Uh, and then there's a couple of you in here from the 1909 version. You might remember it. But you, you did, you used to get one of these things and, and you would circle just what you wanted and, and you, would, you would have every single page done. Now it's a Walmart ad or a Kmart ad, but you remember how selfish you were when you were writing all of these things down. Uh, I remember um, as a kid, one of the things that frustrated me so much in my selfishness is that I had a, a, I had a great aunt and uh, my great aunt, uh, she had some challenges mentally, uh, but one of the things she would do every year is she would buy us all a box of cordial cherries. 
And that was our Christmas gift year in, year out. And I hate cordial cherries. Always have and always probably will. And so I never could appreciate that. And it was interesting because every single year it would be that same little square box and you knew she did it again. And, and it, in my selfishness, I never saw the heart of my aunt behind what she was doing. The fact that she was my great aunt and she had the thought to even think of me as a young kid with little to nothing um, that she would have had on her own was an amazing thing. But we struggle with contentment in a season where we oftentimes have everything that we need. And for most of us in this room, if we were to really get honest about where we were uh, in our own lives, in our own finances, most of us have everything we need, but yet we always want a little bit more. And what happens is, is we just move from Christmas to Christmas to Christmas, and we oftentimes say the same things year after year after year. But I, I'm praying that this year, that maybe the Lord would just use the message today as we look at Christmas presents, maybe stir our affections for him a little bit. And I think the, one of the ways we do that is we go back to the very first Christmas, Christmas present. Uh, that you see kind of what was important there. And obviously, uh, when you think about that, you're like, oh, I get it. I mean, Jesus laying in a manger, and, and man, he's, that's what's important about it. But now, I want you to follow me, because I think the characters that will surprise you the most are the characters that look just like you in the narrative. And you go, I don't even know who looks like me in the narrative. Well, let me just give you uh, this quick quote by a theologian named Trapp. And uh, he says, God, uh, in order to show respect, not to persons, he revealed himself in this grand mystery to shepherds and to wise men. The one was poor, the other was rich, the one was learned, the other was unlearned. The one's a picture of the Jews and the other is the Gentiles. One was near and the other was far off. The wise men are a picture of the Jewish people. Uh, they were wise, and they were learned, they were astute, they had everything they wanted and yet they uh, they miss the Messiah. And then you've got the shepherds in the field nearby. They're the ones that are the peasants, unlearned, uneducated, ordinary men. And yet God chose to reveal himself to people like you and me. And I want you to see what happened when these shepherds, the people that are like us, hear about the story of Jesus. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2 and you can see the narrative as it takes place. And in verse 8, you see where it uh, really begins with the shepherds. And it says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, and they were keeping watch over the flight, uh, flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. I bet they were. If you could imagine, uh, what, they're, they're on the, the midnight watch, they're out hanging out with the sheep, and then here it is, the glory of the Lord shines around them, they're filled with great fear, they tremble, and then the angel says to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The, the idea here is that he goes, hey, listen, I've got a, a purpose and a plan here, and I want to bring you the good news, which is, again, the gospels, the good news of Jesus. And he says, for, for unto you today is going to be born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he will be lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Now put yourself real quickly just in the middle of this field at night, and here it is, you're on your watch just as you've always been on your watch. This is just another night, another evening in the season in which you have real uh, you have real expectations for your job, right? I mean, hey, here it is. You're like the security guard at the mall at night. You're not expecting anything exciting to happen. I mean, you're just watching these sheep. It seems boring. It seems mundane. And then all of a sudden, the glory of God shines around you. And if you can just imagine what that must have been like, and, and then you start thinking about it, and you go, okay, what would that have caused me to do? What would have been my response I mean, a lot of us, we would just hit the floor probably. I mean, for a lot of us, it would have been a moment in which uh, it would have captivated your mind, your attention for a very long time. And so look what happens here. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and they found Joseph and the baby laying in a manger. Now, the reason I ask you to put yourself in their shoes, the, the very first Christmas there ever was, they're doing what they always do. Seems pretty mundane, seems pretty boring. The angel of the Lord appears to them, and he tells them the good news about a baby being born to them in the city of David, the place of Bethlehem. And what's interesting is, is that after they share the good news, the angels, they depart as if they go back up into the heavenlies, and it leaves the shepherds staring at one another. And if you can imagine this moment, these uneducated men who are on this night watch, the same boring job they always do, they go, what are we going to do? I, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think we should do? And they begin to bounce this back and forth, just staring at each other, and then one of them goes, hey, we should go to Bethlehem. But then I started putting myself in, in the equation. I started thinking about me. What would I do? What would you do? Now, now think about it just in Christmas present. I mean, here it is the Lord is trying to help us understand what the point of the narrative is. The point of the narrative is there's a baby born in the city of David who's going to bring good news and hope to all men. And he reveals this to these uneducated shepherds in a field nearby doing the same things they always do, this mundane job of watching the flock. And if I'm there in the narrative, I go, you know what? That sounds fantastic. But I don't know that I can make it there tonight. I mean, I got three kids at home. I need to call my wife. I need to check, make sure everything's good. I mean, we got, we got to figure out what we're going to do with our kids. I mean, who's going to come over and watch them? I mean, is there going to be somebody stay with them tonight? I mean, not only that, who's going to get them to school tomorrow morning? I mean, I got, I got a lot of different challenges here. I mean, I can't just, I can't just leave the flock I mean, we, I got to find somebody to care for all this. I mean, here, who, who's going who's gonna to take care of my yard? I mean, who, who's going to take care of my dogs? I mean, who's going to take care of all this? And, and you could just imagine all the excuses that I could come up with in the middle of this situation. I mean, here is the Lord has said, hey, the Son of God has been born in the city of David. Leave everything and take off. 
And for me, I would say, man, I, I would love to go. I, I think that's going to be important, but I've got a list of things i got to get done. I mean, i got to call my work. i got to make sure my employer's okay. I mean, what are they going to do? I've got people. I'm in a managerial role. I can't just leave all my people doing what they're going to do. I mean, they're going to go crazy. They'll run our business in the ground in a couple of hours. But that's not what they said. It says that they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph. I mean, the idea is is that they left everything they knew, every agenda, every task list, uh, every um, thing that they thought they should supervise. They said, you know what? We're going to trust that the Lord's got that taken care of. And for, for every single inclination or reason I look at, it seems as if they said, you know what? We're going to leave our flock and we're going to take off. And they go with haste and they find the baby, the Christ child. I mean, isn't that the goal of the first Christmas is to meet the gift of God, the Christ child? Let me ask you that question one more time, okay? Lean in with me. Isn't that the goal of Christmas is to meet the Christ child? Like the hope of the world, the good news of the gospel? Listen, 2,000 years removed, the goal has not changed. The goal has not changed. We don't make Christmas better because of the gifts we give. We don't make Christmas better because of the lights we put up on the house. That's not what makes Christmas sweeter. It might make it more nostalgic. It might bring up some warm, fuzzy places in your heart that stir your emotions for something you had long ago. And for so many of us in here, we're trying to recreate that same nostalgic feeling that we felt 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. And we think if I get everything just right and if all the sights and all the smells and all the sounds of Christmas are perfect, then we'll have a great Christmas. And those first shepherds, they didn't say, hey, you know what? Let me wait and I got to make sure that everything's good. I mean, hey, the Christ child's here, so now I probably need to go ahead and put up my, my little display in the front yard before I go. I mean, they didn't do any of those things. They said they went with haste and they found the Christ child. I think the reminder for us in this moment is that we would go with haste towards the Christ child. That we would stop delaying our movement towards God in a Christmas season. That we would remind ourselves what it is that we're celebrating, what it is that God has done for us. Here's what God did for us. God revealed himself on high to us mere peasant shepherds in a field nearby that we might behold and see and touch and be revealed the glory of God to us, mere uneducated people, undeserving, far off, without hope. We have the glory of the Lord among us. That's Christmas. That's what Christmas is and has always been about. And we have made it so much more. And so they go with haste. The interesting thing is, is once they go with haste, what do they do next? Is that, I mean, is that really the goal of Christmas? Hey, just cancel everything that you got. Uh, let somebody else watch all your flock and then go with haste and we'll worry about the rest. No, look what happens in verse 17. And it says, and when they saw it, meaning the Christ child, when they saw the baby, because a, a baby isn't it until it, the gender and the name's revealed, right? You got it? When is it going to be born? You know? And so here it is, when they saw it, this boy named Jesus, the Messiah, it says they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. So, so what had been told to them, the, the shepherds, as they're in the flocks, the, the angel of the Lord reveals to them all these things about the Lord, 
uh, about the hope that is to come, uh, about the glory of God, about the, the, the Savior of the world being born in the city of David. And so it's as if they begin to share all of these things. And so then they don't just share in verse 17 what's concerning the child, but in verse 18, it gives us the impression that everybody who heard it, if you look at it, it says they wondered what the shepherds had told them. I don't know about you, but think about it real quickly. Okay, it just said that everybody who heard it wondered about what had been told to them. So in your mind, you think, oh, wait, okay, hold on. There must have been a stable, and the only people there was Mary and Joseph. And then outside of the Mary and Joseph, I mean, yeah, some wise men, they might have showed up at some point, but it's shepherds and then a bunch of camels. I mean, is that all it is? A few, few goats, a few lambs? Apparently, there's more people there. Because it says was once they get there, they begin to tell everyone about the wonder that had been told to them. And so here it is, they have a captivated audience and, and they're just revealing to them what has been shared with them. That is the goal of Christmas. The goal of Christmas is to go towards Jesus with haste and then begin to share the wonder of God. Now, real quickly, have you lost the wonder of God in your life? I mean, I want you to ask that honestly. Like, think about that for just a second. Maybe you even, in, in just this still moment, just go, God, have I lost the wonder of God in my life? God, have I lost the, the glory, the awe, the presence of the Lord in my life? Have I, have, and I'm not talking about have you lost your salvation. I'm not talking about have you lost the spirit because that would be highly unbiblical. But what I am saying is have I just lost the awe and the wonder, have I just forgotten the splendor and the holiness and the majestic power of the God on high? And I, can I just tell you, I think I do that often. I just forget that he is the most powerful being in all of creation. I forget that I'm created by a spoken word. I forget that everything that we see and know is his. I forget in the moment of scurrying around, worrying about the flock, worrying about my task manager list, worrying about my the peeps that I'm over, worrying about the, the church that we're moving forward, we forget about who it is we're worshiping. In all the frantic chasing of Christmas, we forget the wonder of God. But here it is, they go with haste and they begin to share all that they have seen and heard, all that they have been told. I mean, do you, can you imagine in that moment what they must have been sharing? I think they share a lot of what we talked about in Christmas past. Hey, guys, they've always said that Micah, the prophet, told them that it was going to be born in the city of David, that, it was going to, that this baby was going to be born in Bethlehem, and the angel of the Lord just revealed that to us. Can you believe that? I mean, oh my goodness, how, I mean, how many years ago did Micah write? Micah must have wrote 700 years ago. I, bet, I mean, it might have been 750. I mean, guys, that's crazy. I, I remember Isaiah. Isaiah said something about what the Lord would do that he was going to come from the lineage of David, that he would be born in the city of David. Oh, this all makes sense. Oh my goodness, guys. And if you can imagine the awe and the wonder that was captivated at that moment, here's what's so mesmerizing. They're not just mesmerized by the angel of the Lord that came down. What they're mesmerized by is all the things that must have come into play there. All the prophecies that must have been fulfilled, all the things that the, that the angel of the Lord told them, and they go with haste, and they just begin to share it, and they can't stop talking. 
I mean, they're just talking about the good news, the prophecy fulfilled, the approachability of God. Can you believe that God has made himself known to us? Hey, you remember Moses? You remember that day where he asked for the presence of God to be shown to him and God said no, but now here it is, the presence of God. The very manifestation of him is here among us. We can touch him. Oh my goodness, let's touch God. Oh my goodness, you can see him. Oh my goodness, can you imagine how captivated they must have been? And they just begin to share the good news of the hope of Christ. Do you know what we share? Here's what we share. We share our cards in the mail. We share our pictures. We share more about us at Christmas time than we do the hope of the Savior. I mean, think about it. Think about all the pressure that's put on us men. Lean in sometimes by our spouses to get a family photo so that we can send that out to the masses at Christmas time. And so here it is, we shoot them out to the masses. And if we're really good, if we're really good, we also include a Word document or two or three that outlines every member of our immediate family over the last year, where they are now, how their kids are doing, how they are in their education. Oh my goodness, you wouldn't believe it. My son got his master's this year. And what we do is we share a ton about us. See, here I think is the tragedy of Christmas. Christmas, by and large, has come to be more about us than anyone else. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you don't love Jesus, and I'm not saying that you don't have some cute little angels that hang on your tree, and I'm not saying that you don't have a nativity set or three or five of them placed in your house. What I am saying is, as I think, if we're not careful, we will have missed the glory and the awe-striking wonder of God in the season. The glory be to God, the Son of man is among us. And instead of running to him with haste and sharing the good news about what he's done in our life, we go, God, I would love to share that, but I've got so much to do. God, I've got so many cookies to make, and I've got a Christmas party to attend, and I don't know how I'm going to get to this work deal. We've got all these people coming over for Christmas, and God, I just can't do it. But listen, I'll just update them all with a couple of Christmas cards and a really long story. I'll tell them about what's going on with us, and we're somehow just going to get through this. And God, if you can just get me to the 26th, it'll all be over. And can I just tell you that if that's your prayer, God, if you can just get me through this season, it'll all be over. That is a sure sign you have lost the awe-striking wonder and the glory of God in your life. The angels come and they reveal themselves to these shepherds. And the shepherds, not in one moment, thought, I wonder if we can just get past all this. I wonder if we could just frantically get through all this. I mean, because, I mean, don't get me wrong, this travel over here to this stable or whatever this place is going to be, wherever this, 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 this guy is, whatever this baby is, I mean, we just need to get that off our counter and do that. That's not how they approached the first Christmas. I'd imagine that was an evening they wished could go on and on and on and on forever. The expectations were high and they were also fulfilled. And so here it is, they wonder and they share. But I want you to catch verse 19 because there's one character in the story that as she hears everything that's happening, verse 19, it says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I mean, think about this for just a second. She's a new mom. 
And she's wondered how all of this is going to take place anyway. I mean, to be, to be pregnant by the Spirit, here it is. She's wondering how all this is going to take place. I mean, can you think about, as a first-time mom, some of the fear, the anxiety that she must have faced? I mean, not having her midwife with her, not knowing exactly how she's going to deliver it Presbyterian. Can you imagine some of the anxiousness that she must have felt in that moment? Not having her doctor Nazareth right there by her side. I mean, she's in Bethlehem. She's in a place where she's not expecting to have to deliver this baby. And here it comes to fulfill all of scriptures. And then here it is. I mean, think about it for just a second. She just had this child. And you've got Mary and you've got Joseph. And, then, and apparently you've got a handful of other people that must have been there. And then here come the shepherds. These shepherds that were in the fields by night see a revelation from the angel of the Lord, they come, and all they do is talk. I mean, they're just telling about the wonder of God, and it's just like, oh, it's incredible. They're just looking at the baby, and I think, oh, I wonder what we would have done. And I know exactly what we would have done. We would have said, hey, um, let's get this little baby cleaned up. Give us a few minutes. Hey, don't miss the hand sanitizer out there, okay? You got to use it. Um, I know Kelly would have said, hey, if you don't mind, Brandon, just hand me the makeup bag real quick because I'd like to just make sure I'm presentable. Ladies, I think that's an admirable thing, by the way. But that's not what she did. Look what it says. And she pondered all these things in her heart. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. I mean, here it all, they come. And as they're just sharing all that had been told to them, They're sharing about the prophecy and how it's been fulfilled. They're sharing about how God has made himself known to people. She takes it all in. She doesn't miss a word. And she just ponders that in her heart. And she just is captivated. She's intrigued. Why? Because God has made himself known, not only to the peasants like the shepherds and the flock, uh, but he's made himself known to her and to Joseph in this narrative. And, and could you imagine how she must have felt? Like, how in the world, God, did you choose me, Mary, to be the, the mother of the Son of God? And as they all share about the wonder and the spectacular nature of God, you, you wonder, well, what do you think they wondered about? They wondered about the nature of God. They wondered about the holiness of God. They wondered about the splendor of God that he would make himself known to people like us. Can you imagine the intrigue they must have felt? And then it just begs the question, what do we wonder about? I I mean, when's the last time that you pondered about what the Lord has done in your life? And I think this may be the greatest application of the day. Like what's When's the last time that you just, as a family, sat down and pondered what the Lord has done in your life? When's the last time that you made a list and you just said, you know what, do you remember back in 2012, that Christmas and that year? Do you remember how God showed up and he protected us in this situation? Hey, do you remember? I mean, maybe it's 2018. Maybe you're here and you lost a job and you go, you know what, I'm so, I was so afraid and so fearful back in March. But then God surrounded us with our journey group. And you know what? Just slowly, there were provisions that came in. They cared for us. And you know what? We were were fearful and we were sometimes afraid. 
But what's in, incredible is to see how God, he provided and he used people, unassuming, sometimes uneducated people. And here was it, there's just the provision of God. And we look back and we just, we just go, you know what, that was a fantastic year. It was a tough year, it was a hard year. But it was an amazing one because we saw God be faithful. You, you know, maybe some of you in here, you go, you know what, it's just, the health has just been really a decline. It's been a struggle. And you go, there are days that I just wanted to quit and there are just days where I felt lonely and I felt afraid. And then you look up and, and it's Christmas. And, and here it is, everybody's trying to get you to put your hope in Christ. And you just, somehow you go, you know what, I'm just struggling to put my hope in Christ because my hope in Christ, honestly, I'm, I'm questioning it a little bit. I mean, this has been the toughest year of my life. It's been a season of doom. I feel like I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And honestly, if I'm honest, I felt like I'm alone. But now as you just look back and you just see, you go, no, 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 I wasn't alone. God has been faithful. And he's provided. You know what? It was, it was all cloudy, but God has made what seems cloudy and confused so clear. You know what? God put me on my back for a little while. He's gotten my attention. He's reminded me of the awe and the wonder of God. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about beholding the glory of God, not frantically chasing other things in this world, but frantically chasing after the King, the Savior in which has been born to us. Sharing the good news about what He has done, the faithfulness of God in the hard times, and pondering the moments those silent, still moments that we often miss. See, here's what we think of. Think about it. We think the glory of God, the light, all that's dawn, that's what you want to see. But that's not how you see God most of the time. It's not the shepherd seeing the glory of God. It's the little baby born in a manger. It's what seems to be mundane and ordinary that's oftentimes how God wants to reveal himself. It's not Balaam's donkey. You remember the donkey that can speak? It's not that donkey. It's the donkey that Jesus rides into Jerusalem on, the unassuming one. That's the moment. It's the faithfulness of God. It's to rejoice over the sunset. It's to rejoice over the still, small moments. It's to rejoice and ponder the things in which you think are ordinary and mundane, but yet those are the moments that God says you and I should appreciate. The question is, how do you do that? Like, How do you do that? And I'll tell you for us, I think we're thinking through that as a family, but maybe it's that you go, you know what, every year we're gonna, we're gonna create a Christmas ornament that's gonna hang on our tree. When we get to 2030, we're gonna be able to look back over about 12 years and every ornament that we see is going to be a reminder of God's faithfulness over a course of a year. And so whether it's a, your family decorating or if it's something that you do, whatever, I don't know. But the deal is, is that Christmas is meant to be pondered. It's a reminder that a year has gone by, that God has blessed us, that we got up, we have a new year right ahead of us. And we have a chance to remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. That's what Christmas is about. And so it's not about what we think it is. And so if you look at verse 20, it says the angels then return. They glorify, they praise God for all they've heard and seen as has been told to them. And then at the end of the eight days, when he, meaning Jesus, was circumcised, he was called Jesus and the name was given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And so here it is, he's circumcised and he's given the name Jesus. And what happened? 
the shepherds return to the fields. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that when the, the shepherds get to back, back to the field, do you think they shepherd the same way they've always shepherded? I mean, think about that for just a second. I mean, do you think that's what life is? Life is just frantically chasing ourselves. It's a task manager list. Or do you think they go, you know what? God has done something special here, and it's going to change my outlook for, for all of my life. See, I think that's what salvation is. Salvation is that Yeshua, the God of salvation, made himself known to peasants. And upon understanding and receiving that salvation, we are filled with joy. It captivates our awe and the wonder of God. We behold his glory and we share it faithfully. We, f- we frantically chase after God rather than the mundane and, and senseless things of the world like this. And we don't forget to ponder the faithfulness of God even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because he is with us. And his rod and staff, they bring us comfort. That's good stuff. Listen, there's one character in here that we just passed right over. And there's one character I want you to pay very close attention to. And you don't really see much about him. But I think he's really important. Because if you can grasp him and and what he's done, then I think you'll grasp Christmas as well. And I think it goes really well with this. There's this guy named Joseph. Y'all know he's in the story too, right? But what's amazing about Joseph is you see very little about him. But I want you to see real quickly a little bit about this guy. So flip back over to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 18 through 25. And um, some of it's going to be kind of similar to what you've heard over the last couple of weeks. But in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And then it says, When his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph before before they came, uh, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So there you go. You've got the the start of this story. And so the story is is that Mary and Joseph were betrothed. Betrothed in that culture simply meant that they were uh, engaged, but it had... Uh, more ramifications than it does in our sense. You can break off an engagement here, and yes, you're having to send toasters back, and there's a little bit of shame maybe involved. But in that day and time, in order to break off a betrothal, it means that you were going to literally divorce. It meant that it was a public declaration, a decree. Uh, It was an arrangement that you had to do even through the government to break it off. And so uh, there was documentation of paperwork. So they were already to the point of of really finalizing their marriage. The only difference was, is they were waiting for the consummation. And so they were waiting for Joseph to finish building onto his father's house. And so if you could imagine that they're in the middle of this process, and then Mary one day um, leaves her father's house, um, and she, she finds Joseph. She goes, hey, Joseph, we need to talk. And Joseph goes, well, what's up? I mean, talk to me. You can talk to me. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be your husband. I mean, we're betrothed. I mean, you can tell me anything, baby. Joseph, I'm pregnant. You're what? I'm pregnant. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's insert you into the story. How would you have responded? The reason we didn't insert me into the story is because I know how I would have responded, and you probably don't want to hear it, okay? I know exactly. I would have said, do what? 
you're telling me that you're pregnant? Well, I can tell you one thing. I know it's not my baby. Because I know we haven't been together. Because I've been faithfully building onto my father's house for you. (laughs) And I'm sure there would have been a few other things that I would have said as well. And then here's Joseph in the narrative. Look at Joseph, verse 19. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And that's all you get about him. That's it. Then in your entire Bible, that's all you get about him. Here's what you see. You you see that he's a godly man. You see that he cares very much for this woman named Mary. And that he is a just man, which means he's a man of integrity. It means that he's a man that seeks to understand. It means that he's a man probably of great patience and resolve. And what you also see is you see the character there. You see the character in which he says, I'm not willing to put you to shame. I don't understand what's happened. I know that that baby can't be mine. But then he comes up with a plan to not bring disgrace and harm to her or her family. And he wants this just to kind of go away quietly. And, and I think for the reason why, I don't think he's trying to slide out of it or sweep it under the rug. I don't think that's the intent at all. I think what he's trying to do is show grace. And then as he considers these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And then you see it all revealed. And it says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son. Do you think in that moment he goes... Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Yes? You think he said that even though Jesus hadn't been born yet? (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then when Joseph woke from up, up his sleep, he did, woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He went and he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he was called Jesus. And you might wonder, well, why in the world are you telling me this? And here's why. Catch this. Lean in with me as we close. Think about what's important to you. The frantic chasings so your kids have what you never had. All the cards that have to be sent out, the letters to update the world about what's going on in your family's life. All the things that you think are important at Christmas. And it begs the question, would God have chose you to be Jesus' parents? Have you thought about that for just a second? Why in the world did God choose Mary and Joseph? And you get very little about them. You don't get a ton. You get more about Mary than you ever do Joseph. Here's what you get about Joseph. Joseph betrothed to a woman named Mary, unwilling to put her to shame. A humble, a gentle man, and that's it. But he must have been godly to be the dad of the son of God. He must have had his priorities in line. He must have thought through a lot of different things. But think about this for just a second. This isn't a man who's 35 or 36 and has his life together. He might have been in his late teens or early 20s. 
I mean, he's probably a 17 or 18-year-old boy. And he's about to be given the responsibility to raise the son of God. And you might ask yourself, well, how well did he do? Because you don't have a whole lot. Well, here's what I do know. I know he lost his son at the temple when he was around 12. Must have been a loser, right? (laughs) There's one story and which reminds me a whole lot about Joseph. You remember Jesus sitting at the well in John chapter 4 with a woman? Been married five different times and living with a sixth man. Do you know one thing that resonates in that story? Jesus was a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. See, Jesus was raised by a godly man who had his life prioritized. He didn't know all the answers. I mean, he didn't even know how all this is going to happen until the angel of the Lord. But I'll tell you, the thing about Mary and Joseph is that he was just and he was kind and he was godly and he was gentle and he had a wife named Mary who pondered the things that were happening around them. And those two made a a combination. And even though they must have been intrigued by the Son of God, when you start thinking about it, you know they knew what Christmas was about. And it wasn't about arguing about when Christmas should be celebrated or shouldn't be celebrated. It wasn't about the lights or about the blow mold Santas sitting in the yards. It wasn't about nativity sets and how fast we should get them up. It was about beholding the glory of God, the good news of the gospel. It was about sharing that with other people around us. And it was about pondering all the things of God. It was about being godly, gentle, just people in a world of darkness. Reminds me a lot of Matthew chapter 5, that we are the light of the world, that we're the salt of the earth. And I'll tell you, I think a lot of that's revealed in how we handle this thing called Christmas. I don't know what's most important to you, but I would certainly encourage you to start a new tradition this year of finding a way to ponder the things that God has been faithful to produce in your lives this year and make you a journal or ornaments or something to remember the faithfulness of God. And I'll tell you, start backtracking through the years to see God's faithfulness too. Because there are some big moments that we remember and a lot of small ones that fell through the cracks that we should have remembered. So Merry Christmas, and don't miss the silent moments that God has put on the pages of your life every day. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you for the story and the hope of these shepherds who are a great reminder of us, uneducated, ordinary men who understood the hope and the good news of the gospel when it was revealed to them. And I love, God, their response. I love that when they see and hear the good news of Jesus, they frantically run after him. They don't make a list of reasons they can't come, but they go and they share the good news. And I love the response of Mary, how she ponders all that is said and all that she hears. And I can't imagine what that first Christmas would have been like. I I know that that I can't fathom it. But also know that, that Christmas should be similar 
in the way we spend it. That it's not about the things we've made it. And so God, I pray that you'd forgive us in our culture. How we've said that it's better to give than to receive. And it's just kind of given us a, a reason to keep giving without celebrating the moments in which we should ponder. And so Father, I pray that you would convict us in our hearts and our lives of areas that we've missed it. And help us to make you the most important, the good news of Christmas. And I pray that we would begin to slide back and that we would elevate you in our lives. We love you, we thank you, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.